Welcome to the Crucible, where the Southern African Institute of Mining and Metallurgy gives you a front row seat to conversations with specialists in the minerals and metal sector. Siam has well over a hundred years experience in and commitment to protecting the professional standards of our industry. Join us now as we discuss the key issues and global initiatives to give you the relevant information needed to make informed decisions, to influence policy that directly affects our sector, and to help our industry grow in an uncertain future. Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this episode of The Crucible. I am Gabel Ratobe, and I will be your host for today's episode. The theme for today's conversation is diversity and inclusion in the mining industry. And we will be conversing with Nongkulile Komabuza on conquering a male-dominated industry. Nongku is the current general manager of Implats, and she has first-hand experience on what dominating this industry as a minority is like. So we're very excited to hear her views on this topic of diversity and inclusion. Nongu, welcome to The Crucible. We're pleased to have you with us today, and we hope that you're going to be able to share with us your views on diversity and inclusion. So without any further ado, I would like you to introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them who Nongu Lulego is, where she's from, Tell us a little bit about your upbringing. All right. Thank you very much, Cabello. As you said, my name is Nonku Lulego Mabuza, but uh, a lot of people just call me Nonku. It's 10 letters. It's very long, so Nonku is fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm originally from Mpumalanga. I, w- I was born and I was raised there. Uh, I, I moved around quite a bit. Um, so I lived in KZN for a large part of my life. I think run about matric, yeah. Um, when I then went to varsity and then um, I went to the University of the Witwatersrand and then from there that's when I then moved to the northwest to work. So I'm from a very large family. I've got mm-hmm. two old, two younger brothers, two younger sisters and I'm the firstborn so I'm the oldest. So I'm from okay. a very large, very close family, very Christian-based, prayerful family raised by a mm-hmm. single mom. So a very strong woman, but a woman of faith more than anything. Yeah, so my family is really my anchor. Um, I think I find my identity in that sort of space. <laughs> um, I'm okay. currently living and working in the Northwest, in Rustenburg. Um, as you said, I am a general manager at one of Implatz's shafts. So we've got um, okay. multiple subsidiaries, and I work for Impala Rustenburg. Uh, which is in the Rustenburg area, a couple of operations, and I'm currently the general manager of number 16 Shaft, which is one of our flagships, one of the bigger um, capital projects operation with about 6,500 people, own and contractors. Yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I enjoy sushi and okay. I love flowers. <laughs> Very detailed. Yes. No, sushi feels like a hug after a long day here sometimes. But yeah, I enjoy traveling. I've got a very close-knit group of friends who are like my support system. Uh, I enjoy traveling quite a bit. So every chance I get to get out and about, um, I do. And yeah, that's me in a nutshell. I have a pot plant named Tuesday. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. That's (laughs) All right. So I'm interested a little bit more about, um, let's say, your childhood dreams. Uh, What did you aspire to be as a child and the reason I'm asking this is because I just want to 
figure out if what you're doing now, your current career is what you had envisioned or at least it aligns with what you had in your childhood about the career that you would want to follow? So not at all, hey. Um, I mean, I remember at school, I wasn't big on numbers. Like one plus one was not always two. So definitely <laughs> not in the maths and physics. But I mean, that's and that's where I actually ended up. I had a passion for languages um, when I was growing up. And um, initially, I was interested in sort of following the law route, you know, going to law and practice. But I was raised by my aunt and my uncle. So they were in correctional services, so law enforcement in that area, in that space. Mm -hmm. And naturally, you know, I would also tend towards law enforcement. But I was discouraged <laughs> at a very young age by my uncle to say, yeah, but, you know, you're really only going to become a judge when you're like 89. I'm not sure where he got that theory from, but <laughs> that was his theory. And, and, and he discouraged me. So I then said, okay, fine, maybe I can go into like construction because I've always found hot hats to be cool, which is very weird because there's no one in my family who's in this sort of field or even in construction for that matter. But um, I wanted to go into construction, but then I figured, ugh, then I have to work in the sun, you see, and I don't want to work in the sun because <laughs> I'm already dark. We don't want to get darker. <laughs> So mining really found me. Um, I'm an avid reader. Mm -hmm. So even throughout high school, I used to read quite a bit. And I remember one time picking up, a, I don't know if they still have them. It was called a bursary direct. And it had a list of different companies and the bursaries that they were um, offering. But it also had very detailed descriptions of all the different occupations. And I remember reading about mining and they were talking about, yeah, you know, they're definitely looking for women. So, no, mining, engineering. So by then I knew, okay, I'd probably end up in the engineering space. I was just not 100% mm -hmm. sure in which field. But with the opportunities for um, being able to further my studies and with the aid of the company, um, I then um, applied and 14 years later, here we are. So really, I, I, it's, it's not, um, I don't, it was not a childhood dream. There was no childhood inspirations. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely no one in my past. So it, or found in my it found me. It found me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely found me. Okay. And that sounds very interesting. And we'll get to that a little bit later because I want us to get a little bit more into the discussion of how younger students or younger people mm. can get into the mining industry. More diverse students can be able to pursue a career in mining and engineering. Yeah. And so that, but that, we'll reserve that for um, our later discussion. And, but right now, I just want to know we're in the month of diversity and heritage in South mm -hmm. Africa. This conversation would be, I guess, more interesting in August when we were talking more about Women's Month because I think you represent women in the mining industry. And so, but, but nonetheless, we are in this month of diversity and <laughs> heritage. And so I just want to know your views on the importance of diversity in South Africa. But I want you to be a little bit more specific in terms of diversity in, in, in the minerals and metals sector. What do you think the importance is and what's your view on this? So I have first-hand experience of being part of a um, very diverse management team. At this same operation, I was a mine manager here about, I'd say, a year or so ago, okay? 
And when I joined, obviously now I was the first female mine manager to be appointed for Impala as a whole. So I joined, it was myself, two other uh, gentlemen, and we varied in age, we varied obviously in gender and also in race, Mm -hmm. right? And we were at the time led by a very experienced older white gentleman. So the senior team was made up of three mine managers, one being myself, one a very young, very intelligent, I'd say he was maybe perhaps two, three years older than me, and one much older Mm -hmm. gentleman, and were led by a much older gentleman. Um, So it was Mm -hmm. three mine managers, one black female, one black male, and one black, uh, one white male, right? And Mm -hmm. were led by a white gentleman. And the other uh, services was also, you know, there was a lady who was a technical services manager at the time, um, a very brilliant um, engineering manager as as well. And we were we were dubbed as the the dream team. Um, in I think it was mm-hmm. FY20, um, the the ideas uh, were, were were so were so broad. Um, I mean, people were pulling from, we're obviously all pulling from our different um, experiences. So I, I, I was I was part of a, of a team that delivered like record um, production at the time, record safety, very innovative mm-hmm. ideas as well. You know, not being stuck on this is what we know works, so this is what we're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Very out of the box yet practical. I mean, some of some of the ideas were not practical because you know that's where the leader had to come in and just sort of come back down to earth. But um, um, <laughs> um, I have firsthand experience of the strength that lies in having diverse teams and being a diverse society because there mm-hmm. is no one way of doing things and you need you are actually much stronger if there is more more sources where you are pulling instru- in, inspiration from so I, I mean I'm an avid supporter I have seen it um, you need young people mm-hmm. you need old people you need brown people you need white people you need black people you need yellow people mm-hmm. every color and um, every creed um, every gender as well but um, you know mm-hmm. all these are available but uh, it's not we don't always have the right platforms to cultivate that kind of collaboration that is often key in making either organizations um, successful or society at large uh, to, to to be successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm definitely what you're saying, uh, at least the bottom of what you're saying, mm-hmm. what I understand is that diversity, having d- diverse people in, in groups and especially in the minerals industry, it brings about a lot of innovation because there's different perspectives. True, and I true. think that's, uh, that's, mm-hmm, that's really good. And so like you're saying that this conversation around diversity, you guys were the dream team, this conversation of inclusivity really and diversity is an ongoing conversation in this industry. Mm. And yes, you have just shared some of your experience around that and how it's been. You were part of a great team and you were innovative and it really sounds like a great working culture and a working uh, a great working space. I'm just wondering though, what are some of the challenges that you encountered yourself as a woman, as a black woman in this industry? I think initially, I mean, when I started out, I, I, I didn't have my own voice. I struggled, I struggled with mm. that. And, I, and maybe it was the environment I was in. It took me some time to find my own voice. Because if you don't have your own voice, you have to put on someone else's voice and it's very exhausting. 
So that was mm. one. Um, I I struggled also, which was actually a good thing. These struggles, I'll, and I'll, I'll I'll try and remember to round off at the end. So as I rose rank, you know, you almost have to find yourself a seat at the big boys table. So I was initially a minor, mm-hmm. then I became a shift boss. So my sh- my 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 minor friends were not my 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 friends anymore because now I'm sitting with the shift bosses, right? And then I became a mine overseer. So my shift boss friends were like, uh-uh, we're not friends with you. So go talk to your new people. And then I became a mine manager and um, eventually um, a general manager. So I, 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 I struggled with that, but also used it as a springboard to sort of, you know, who is Nonku, to understand who is Nonku, have my own voice so that I can walk into any table and have my own voice without... Um, having to, you know, put on a show or be a certain way just so that you are um, accept, expected. Mm. There was, I also um, struggled a bit with, um, there was almost this, and I don't know if it was real or not, but like this, you are going to fail. It's an expectation to fail, that women don't do what you do. So, I mean, mining is, for example, is very broad. The, the value chain is very broad and it's long. Um, so I decided to stick to production, which is the actual breaking and moving of rocks safely. And I didn't go into mm-hmm. technical support and those kinds of roles. And there was always, uh, oh, okay, fine, put her in and let's see what she can do kind of thing. So um, I was very um, aware of that. And but also used it as a as an opportunity to almost earn my stripes. So do what needs to be done, make my targets, so that I can just be nonku the minor, not nonku the female minor. Give me a working place mm-hmm. and let me do what I can do and see what um see if I can make my targets without you know having having almost. You know, like a second eye because it's a female or it's a black female in that matter. So I struggled with that. But I think once I found my voice and also understood that, you know, I don't have to be a bulldog in a dress to get things done. uh, That was a big Mm -hmm. game changer for me because then I was authentic in what I did. And I've experienced that people will follow authentic leaders. So that was the big uh, switch, I think, in my career. And it then enabled me to be able to... So, you know, make inroads and establish myself in this industry and be comfortable in who I am without having to put on a show. Profound. That's really profound what you say. And what I'm picking up from what you're saying, I think two things really came across for me is that you, like you're saying, like when you were moving through the ranks, you felt or rather the you felt like you couldn't associate with the people who were in a much lower rank, for for lack of a better word. And you also talk about imposter syndrome. Like, as a woman in this particular space, what does that look like for me? Do I have to act in a certain way? Do I have to come across as a little bit more tough so that and a little bit more assertive so that people mm. can see that I am, in fact, competent in my job? And this really brings then the conversation of what you as Nonku are trying to do to ensure that as you move along the ranks, you don't feel like you have to leave certain people behind. And also to kind of just solidify yourself to say, I am competent, I know what I'm doing, and I don't have to act in a different manner than Mm. who I am just to prove this point. And so I'm just wondering uh, in terms of the um, the initiatives that maybe you are a part of in your community and 
what impact these initiatives have, for instance, in terms of representation? Because I think what you're saying about imposter syndrome, it, it's, it's also because maybe they want people who are representative of your gender, of your race in these positions, and hence you thought you had to act in a certain manner. So I'm just wondering what your contribution is to the community? Are you part of any initiatives? And how do you think, for instance, that the industry can foster a little bit more of representation for minority groups in the minerals industry so that we don't have to go through, for instance, what you had to go through? <laughs> yeah, no. So so I'm, I'm an active activist in my own, in my first, before community. I mean, my community is the 6,005 who I am in charge of right now. So I have, for example, in-house, um, sure, I don't even have the number, but I have created an environment where mining professionals or professionals can come in and actually work. So you are given mm -hmm. an opportunity to be able to earn your stripes. That is run a section if you are at that level or get the qualification that you need. We also have got our own in-house mentoring streams where the senior HOD team has adopted groups of people so that we create that open you know, communication between the younger professionals as they come in and come up and ourselves here at the top. Because one thing that I, I think was maybe missing when I was coming up, those who had made it seem so far away. And I mean, I couldn't just go up mm. to a person and be like, oh, I mean, how do you deal with, I don't know, work-life balance? Because that was also a very big problem in my life. So create platforms where they can come to us and have conversations and don't have to fall into the very same pits that we fell into. I also sit in the gender equity forum in-house in, in Impala, which looks at making sure that we don't just have policies in place because, you know, we're talking gender or equity or we're talking diversity. We don't just have policies just so that the outside world um, can see that, you know, in, we're doing something, but actually have policies and hold people accountable who are in positions to be able to foster those that environment that allows for actual um, change that that is that is needed so i sit on on on, on that committee i was appointed by uh, our previous ce mr mark monroe where we look at not just black female or females or males but we look at the entire landscape and come up with innovative ways backed up by policy and actions in how do we create mm -hmm. an environment where everybody can flourish. In this current okay. role and in my previous role, sorry, um, I was, uh, we, did a, we do a lot of community work, uh, outreach, um, career expos, that kind of thing, so that they can see that, you know, man, a girl can actually mind. She just needs to put on her overalls and hot hat and come to the party. So I think for, for industry, we need to move past just policies. How do you measure the change that you want to see? Um, and what initiatives do you put in place? And how do you hold yourself and those on the on the ground in in making the change that policy seems um, seeks to make, and how do you actively create an environment where all people all people can is um, can establish themselves and can flourish in their careers? Mm -hmm. Speaking of policy implementation and actually bringing um, change into the industry, from the time that you started until this point, 
um, do you see any changes in terms of diversity and inclusion? And can you maybe pinpoint one or two of these changes? But I'd also want to know what more would you like to see the industry achieve? I can definitely see more. I mean, I'm now not the only, well, there's now, for example, more female mine managers um, in the ranks, mm -hmm. right? There's more female mine captains. And I'm talking just production. Remember, the value chain is very long. Um, I'm concentrating here on where we break and move the rock. Uh, there's still processing and there's technical services. But I've seen um, a lot of inroads made. Um, we saw, for example, in last year, in the last couple of years, we've seen a lot of very senior executive uh, females at sort of board level and executive level in our head offices. And not just there at the top, even here at, you know, sort of grassroots where I am, I'm seeing a lot of female miners, for example. Those are the people who are, you know, in charge of taking the blast, a safe blast every day. I'm seeing a lot of that. Mm -hmm. We have, um, I read the other day, we have a female RDO on Impala who's working on one of the hydro um, hydro power uh, projects. Projects. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of um, ladies coming up uh, also in the technical services space, you know, being heads of department in rock engineering and vent um, and so on. But what I would like to see, a platform being made available where the older generation hand over the patent to the younger generation. I think the biggest disservice we can do to this industry is, as, as a young professional, is to assume that I know more than those who have been in industry for too long. And the biggest disservice that the older generation can make is assume that they know everything. But if these two generations can come together for the sake of the sustainability of our industry, then I think the older generation can leave the patent in capable and trained and competent hands so that it's sustainable going forward. So that those who are in, you know, in these positions like I am right now, I am actively creating a legacy where others can come after me and make sure that they also create work for those who must come after them. So I think I would like to see more of that, more collaboration, uh, uh, you know, and, and active mentoring and coaching and teaching, uh, transfer of skills from the older guys to the much younger profession for the sake of an industry that we all love. Mm -hmm. My next question was actually going to be about what you think, like, individuals in the industry should do to kind of create a more inclusive environment. But I think what you just said really covers that. And so I'm going to move on and we're now going to talk about the youth outside of the industry who are looking in to see, can I come into this industry? Is there a space for me? Mm -hmm. And so I want to know what you, your views are in terms of, I, first, I want to know if you're involved in any STEM projects and what you would say the importance of students to be part of STEM and how they can get more involved in such subjects and what your role is, for instance, in developing these young, diverse minds for the industry? I am part of the uh, WUMIA committee. WUMIA is the alumni um, committee for uh, VITS minors, um, for the 
the big committee and the Northwest committee. I'm also a very loud supporter of any initiative that is initiated by young professionals, for young professionals, where they, for example, invite um, uh, professionals who have been in industry for some time. This past weekend, I was actually in Leidenberg, where a very young man, Kuto, he hosted what he called the what the Eastern Limb Day of Learning. And I mean, I agreed to do it like a couple of months back and caught me a bit off guard towards uh, the actual date. But then I was like, okay, I've made a commitment, let me go. And uh, interesting enough, it was a very young guy. I think he's been in industry probably about four years or six years. Nah? Not not a lot, not, not for a long time. Mm-hmm. And he decided to reach out to certain people in industry, one of them being myself, to say, please come and share your journey, some of your highs and lows and what you've learned so that we don't fall into the mm-hmm. same pitfalls. And what a better way for me to then share that so that, you know, they don't make the same mistakes that, that I did. So I am an avid supporter, but also a very loud supporter of, of those kinds of initiatives. The biggest misconception is that this job or this industry is only for men. Mm. So if I am out there and I am sharing a little bit about myself or my life or my journey, it then encourages the next um, young girl to say, no, man, shame. If Nunku could do it, maybe I can also try. Because that's what you need to do. You just need Mm. to take the first step Mm. and you take the second step and you look back like I did. I'm like, sure, I've been in industry for 14 years. And my initial plan was actually to come here for like five years, you know, get a blasting ticket and then go back to Joburg and consult. I'm not sure what I was going to consult. But that was my plan. But 14 years Mm -hmm. later, um, here we are. So I try and avail myself as well for any uh, speaking engagements. Um, I'm I'm very critical of of the group. So, you know, who am I talking to? And is it it going to benefit someone downstream? Then if it does, um, I make myself available and I share a little bit about myself in hope that it can um, help someone somewhere to carry on and not quit. Mm-hmm. Speaking of sharing your story, um, as we get to the end of this episode, uh, I want you to maybe talk to your younger self or maybe a teenager <laughs> or maybe a student who is inspired by your achievements. Because if I may say so myself, I think what you're doing is really good. It's really great. Um, you're representing a generation of Black women in the mining industry to show the rest of us that this is possible you can do it you just have to persevere and i think that is a a very amazing contribution that you're doing that you're making to the industry so i would want to know in your words what word of (laughs) advice or encouragement do you want to share then with the young upcoming diverse minds of south africa so, I mean, first, if I had to talk to my younger self, I'd tell myself that, you know, Nunku, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It took me forever to sort of mm-hmm. like live out that mantra or believe it more than mm-hmm. anything. So to all the young people, I think as they are, whether it, you are still in, you know, probably not high school, probably varsity, right? Probably in varsity mm-hmm. or the young professionals as you come into industry, the biggest disservice you can do to yourself and your career is not to learn. And learn, you must learn from every person who's willing to teach you and those who are not willing to teach you. The people who are going to teach you the most are probably the most uneducated people that you are going to come um, across. Uh, if you, uh, So I work in a conventional mine. So I'm thinking the guy who is drilling at the very top of the panel, who comes in in the morning and does what he needs to do and then he sort of leaves, that guy will teach you 
probably the most in 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 your career and you you need to learn learn the ropes at that young age because we are so quick to want these big positions um but if you are ill equipped for it you are putting people's lives at risk and you are people you are putting people's livelihoods at risk so in the years when you are still getting your um your 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 tickets your whether it's a blasting ticket your manager's ticket or whatever ticket that you are aspiring to get my charge is that you must learn and seek out mentors as well um and not everyone will be your mentor you need sponsors as well but seek out mentors people who can help you avoid some pitfalls and learn from other people you don't have to make the same mistakes that i did just because no one could did it this way that is the only way to do it uh, i mean i had my own um my own shortcomings as well but um even if it's from a distance learn and don't repeat the same mistake they say we learn from other people you don't have to be those other people you can just oh okay we don't do that we've learned and we moved on but do the job put your head down earn your stripes i believe that there is no organization or company that will put you aside if you are good at what you do because you know they benefit at the end of the day but be so good at what you do that the the organizations must actually fight for you and say no but i want that individual because i know that if he or she is here then my bottom line is going to get better uh don't be your own stumbling block as well um we often are in the way, what we believe about ourselves about other people you know just i don't know shut out the outside noise and do what needs to be done but if you apply yourself long enough and you do what needs to be done the organization will eventually pull you up and um you will blink and blink three times and 14 years later you are sitting in a different position that um you probably never thought you would be in but just do your bit and god will do the rest okay thank you very much so learn do your bit don't be your own stumbling block and be willing to learn thank you very much nungu for the time and that is all the time we have for this episode thank you so much for joining us and really all the best with your career endeavors your future career endeavors and thank you very much for taking the time thank you very much thank you for having me thank you for listening please note that the facts and opinions expressed are those of the individual and do not reflect the position of SIAM or the corporate institution. You've been listening to another production from Solid Gold Podcasts.